Are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth, secure digital experiences? Then you need Ping Identity as an identity security pioneer. Ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences. I'm the chief identity champion and I'm here to help. Visit pingidentity.com today. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call. Yep. That sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I am joined today by the chairperson and founder of Good Fish, Justin Gilbert. Justin, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Laurel. So what exactly is Good Fish? Good question. Well, Good Fish is a pretty simple thing. What it is is a salmon skin chip. So you're essentially taking the skin of, a, in our case, a sustainably wild-caught Alaskan sockeye salmon, and you're lightly frying it, and you're eating it. And it's what it is is essentially a functional protein-packed, collagen-packed, omega-3, 6, 9-packed um, chip that is what we believe a better alternative for snacking. And it's keto and all of those good things that everyone's super into right now, right? It, it, it's keto. It's just non-carb. It's got zero carbs. So I think we get enough carbs in our diet some way or another, even if we're not trying to pay attention to their level <laughs> of carb. And uh, protein is never something that we lack of uh, in our diet. Uh, more importantly, this is a full BCAA protein, a fish protein, and it's sourced from a wild um, caught fish. Uh, and technically speaking, that means a better protein from my perspective. So it's basically a fish chicharron, right? For, for lack of better explanation. It's a fish chicharron, and you take away, I would say, uh, the guilt of the idea of eating a pork rind, which, you know, right. skin and fat, and you um, place it in, in a salmon, which uh, sounds to me and definitely is a way healthier way to snack. Well, I have to say, I tasted it for the first time only yesterday because your team had sent a package, got lost in the mail, and I almost had to push this conversation because I was like, I can't interview Justin if I don't know that I can speak intelligently to the product. So they were kind enough to drop some product off. And I did get to taste all of the flavors and it was really very interesting. It reminded me of something that I would eat as like an appetizer at like an Asian restaurant. It had a very Asian feel to it. Is that kind of, where was the foundation of this? Where did it come from? Yeah, you, you, you couldn't put it better. It actually, you know, this, the process of developing um, this project started about 10 years ago. So I'm going to walk you through the narrative, but um one of my best friends, Douglas, and, and I started a company called Harmless Harvest, which um, you might know as the, a coconut water uh, brand and, and manufacturing. And uh, at the same time, we had this idea for a project called Good Fish. And they both kind of 
answered to the same logic, which was how do you uh, increase the value of uh, wild resources or in the case of harmless harvest, um, ecosystem inclusive crops? How do you Mm. bring to market products that are better for you, better tasting, that actually give a shit about the social fabric and the ecosystem that sources the raw material? So when we came up with the idea of good fish, uh, we had no clue what the end product would be, but we knew the idea was to say we're going to try to support sustainable um, wild fishing um, uh, organizations and economies. And there is a proof that you can, you know, go from the collapsed fishery to, uh, I'd say, from a tragedy of the commons to the comedy of the commons, where everyone benefits, including the ecosystem and, and the community, from fishing. Um, the idea there was to find a product that was palatable and exciting. And um, believe it or not, there is a humongous, humongous industry um, and, and market in South Asia, Southeast mm-hmm. Asia, East, mm-hmm. or Eastern Asia for uh, uh, salty fish snacks. And that's where we started looking at products that could be interesting. I love it. My mother, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Jewish by, by birth, but my mom always called me Japanese because I always had this very Asian kind of perspective in my food palette. So as soon as I tasted it, I was like, oh, he made this for me. I love it. Um, I thought that the, all of the flavor profiles were so interesting. They definitely have a fishy element to yep. them, but I think that that is a very, to, to be anti that is a very Western palette. And I think that we are much more of a global economy now, especially nowadays. Yep. Um, and so I, I really appreciated that you, I mean, I think it was a little bit outside most people's comfort zones, but it really works. You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. I, I think part of what we're trying to do is educate the palate and try mm-hmm. to broaden people's perspectives on what they can or can't eat and what they should or shouldn't like. And, you know, yeah, for some people it's an acquired taste. We have, we've, we've, you know, tried this product with a number of people. Um, if you're into bold new flavors, and you're willing to explore good fish is the place to start. I mean, um, we have, a, you know, inspired ourselves from what happens in Indonesia with salted egg, fish skins, Thailand, Japan. This is a delicacy and it's a very healthy delicacy. So we're delighted to be upcycling what is really a byproduct of the fishing industry into something of value. It's so cool. And upcycling is such a hot topic right now. I feel like really smart brands were kind of ahead of that curve and we still haven't seen it optimized across all of the food categories. And I have yet to see it within your category. So of course, the founder of Harmless Harvest is going to come up with a product that's like going to blow your mind, both in terms of flavor profile and upcycling. So I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, And for those of you listening, uh, if you don't know what Harmless Harvest is, you've probably been under a rock the past decade. So, Justin, one of your favorite quotes is, you are what you eat. What um, is one of your favorite things to eat right now? We're all in in the middle of COVID. We're in our homes. Are you cooking? Are you you ordering in? What are you eating these days? So I've got to say that I'm very fortunate because I I live in Malibu and we have an incredible, um, I would say, local weather system, meaning Mm -hmm. I immediately um, started making containers and planting what we call at home the victory garden. Having a four-year-old daughter really helps in the process of learning how to plant. More importantly, this pandemic has gone on so long that we're actually harvesting our crop and we are living, and I mean living, off of munching herbs and tomatoes and Japanese eggplant, which I have growing everywhere. So right now, anything that's related to tomatoes, which is peak season, um, works for us. We're doing tomato salads, smoothies, desserts, sherbets, 
Um, I think the, the beauty is to try to live with the seasons when you can. If you can't do it with your own container bed, try to do it with your local farmer's markets or even the neighbor that actually has a, a vegetable garden. Um, it's just a whole different experience of food. So we've been patiently waiting and now we're just, um, uh, just reveling in the tomato crop. I love that. I had I had tomatoes for lunch, some uh, heirloom tomatoes from the farmer's market. So I am right there with you, Justin. <laughs> and we're actually planting in our backyard right now. And my, my I'm contemplating whether we're going to build a, a garden, but it takes a lot to, to harvest and to, you know, weed and do all of that, doesn't it? Yeah, it teaches you respect, respect for agriculture, respect for the farming communities and respect for what you put in your body. Because you realize that if it's that hard just to grow, you know, a bean, uh, when you're eating a product with 20 different ingredients that you can't even uh, read properly, you know, it, it begs the question, you know, uh, is it worth putting in my in my system? So it's uh, it's very useful for your brain and for your belly. Fair enough. Well said. So take us back in time. Were you always in food and beverage or how did you get into this world? Oh, not at all. Um, I, uh, I, I grew up in Paris. My, my parents met here in California in 1969. My mom was the Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover model of the wow. 1969 issue. So cool. And my dad was a, uh, a professor in, in psychiatry at UCLA, uh, loaned from uh, the French government. So they met on a blind date. He, they got married. They moved to Paris, and I grew up, um, grew up in France. Came to the states when I was 20. And did all, all kinds of stuff. Um, um, ranging mostly in the world of consumer goods, ended up working for L'Oreal for a number of years, running the marketing um, for a group of Western European countries, for Maybelline makeup, for Garnier. And I think what I learned from there is the um, the weird paradox between the promise to the consumer and the realities of manufacturing and production. Um, mm. and from there kind of sprouted that original idea of where should I focus my energy on? overeducated. I'm part of the privileged few. And if I'm not the one that's trying to contribute to an improvement of the consumerist society we were born in, um, then who will? So that's where the original intent with Harmless came. And the idea was to say, focus on the intrinsic value of the product, focus on not the packaging and the marketing, focus on the product, the sourcing, the quality, the sensorial, the nutritional payoff, and the consumers will come. Don't dumb down the story. And it turned out to be an incredible success story. Um, and we're trying to repeat that with Goodfish. Why am I choosing food? Simply because it has an immediate impact. Everybody's an expert. I'm an expert in food. So are you. So is my cat. I mean, we all. <laughs> I don't care what your opinion is. I know it's as good as anybody else's. So the beauty about it is trusting your gut is a good start. Um, using yourself as, a, as the audience and then figuring out not how to create a message that's overly cerebral when you're talking about food. You know, I could go on and on about the conceptualization of the supply chain and how it's going to impact the source. But at the end of the day, if you want people to eat better food made in better ways, you just have to make a better product than what exists out there. So you start with the, you start with the sensorial and then you deliver on the intellectual side with actually what you're delivering, a better product. Fantastic. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want you to give us some tips and tricks for entrepreneurs looking to get into this space. So stay tuned. Are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth, secure digital experiences? Then you need Ping Identity as an identity security pioneer. 
Ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences. I'm the chief identity champion and I'm here to help. Visit pingidentity.com today. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call. Yep. That sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. And if you're just now tuning in, we are chatting with Justin Gilbert, chairperson and founder of Goodfish, which is, how do you define Goodfish? What is the like little soundbite? Well, I guess it's the, uh, it's the next big thing in salty snacks, 10 grams okay. per day, 80 calories per bag, all made from uh, salmon skin. Uh, I love it. And I love the product. Like I said, I tried it for the very first time yesterday and I was a little scared, I have to say, because sometimes we get these products sent over and I'm like, oh God, I have to interview this person and I don't like the product. But I have to say the product was, it was so satisfying, like the crunchy, the salty, it had all of those elements, all the sensory elements that I really wanted out of a snack. So well done. Um, Before the break, we were chatting a bit about your journey into your current role at Goodfish. At what point having worked in some of those big brands like the L'Oreal's of the world, at what point did you realize that you wanted to do it on your own? Uh, I realized that when I was a teenager. Um, <laughs> every, everyone who Everyone's an entrepreneur because everyone has an idea of what they want to accomplish with their life. And it's mostly um, as an actor, not a spectator or under the uh, direction of someone else. Now, mm. uh, the truth is, depending on the industry you end up being in, it could be entertainment, like it can be um, science. You need to gather um, and build both a work ethic and an expertise. But, um, and that's a big but, you can't limit your enthusiasm for new ideas by being too much of an expert. And I think that's where food and beverage was a great place for us to go or for me to go. I knew quite a bit about consumer product goods, but I did I knew very little about the food and beverage world and on the industrial mm-hmm. side. So it gave me that, I would say, naive poetic, idealistic approach and that enthusiasm that can only come with people that are starting something for the first time and challenging the legacy industry. But at the same time, I had built sufficient expertise on a professional level that gave me the confidence and the structure to deliver on the promise. So what tips would you give to entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that might be listening in uh, in terms of going for their dreams, do you believe to just jump in or like you take a more measured strategic approach where you have this kind of, uh, you know, background in corporate and then you take that and jump into uh, what you really want to be doing long term? I mean, if, if I were, if, if, you know, if you were my nephew that I'm talking to regularly on, you know, the future of his life, he just, you know, graduated from high school. You know, my, my point is always like the first 10 years of your life, you're young enough that, you know, you can try anything. People are not going to take you seriously and you're allowed to fail as many times as you want. And I'm not saying there's a particular limit in the amount of years where you can fail. But if you're going to start failing, start failing early, fail repeatedly and understand that failing is part of the learning process. Don't consider failure as something that 
proves that you're wrong. It's just an encouragement to go further. So, you know, I started my, my first startup actually at 19. I had another one at 21. I went bankrupt a bunch of times, lost a lot of money from a lot of people and stayed committed to the craft and then spent a few years here and there in various organizations, such as L'Oreal or Goldman Sachs, for that matter, learning and, and growing. And then by the time I was, you know, in my early 30s, I'd acquired so many different uh, experiences and, and expertises that I think it was just almost a natural process to succeed. Um, now, will good fish succeed? Maybe, maybe not. A lot of that is out of my hands. The reality is it's a continuum. So don't look at your career as something where you're going to achieve something. At one point in time, you're going to make it big. You're going to get recognition. That's just one flash in, in a long life of being an entrepreneur. So keep trying, keep, keep starting and respect. And I would say that a lot, respect error, you know, try mm -hmm. fail. Don't be afraid of failure. That's why most people are scared to try things on their own. They're just afraid of failing. This is the best country to fail in, by the way. I moved from France to <laughs> in the U.S. People don't mind it. It's, it's always amazed me that in the U.S. there's this respect for people to just give it a shot. So um, for the American listeners here or the folks that are in the U.S., um, this is the best place to try and, 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 and make it. I love that. I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, failure is something that people are, they are afraid of, but truly it's what makes you or allows you to iterate through problems faster. So when I am with my team, I always tell them, you know, fail as quickly as possible, but nothing is really a failure as long as you take lessons away from it, which I think is, was your point. It is. And I would, I would add to that one characteristic of, um, entrepreneurship with, which I think is, is essential as a, maybe personality trait or something that you can hone on and develop is um, accepting chaos and uh, understanding that there is no such thing as a win, a success or a loss. Every day comes mm -hmm. a huge set of problems and challenges, and it's just going to be your baseline. So, you know, I've, I've been involved in a number of businesses. I invest in a number of businesses at various levels of their life cycle and maturity. And by definition, it's the same set of problems. The entrepreneur who's, you know, just started out or the person running a billion dollar company is facing the same issues day in and day out. I remember with Harmless, people would celebrate us and congratulate us for our successes. And I, and in my back of my head, I was like, but this is, it's just a big ball of stress. There's only problems, only issues. And nothing in this is actually um, uh, agreeable or really that much of a satisfying experience until I changed my mind. I said, well, actually this chaos and this set of problems is just the way it is. That's what's called building. And so, mm. you know, change of perspective helps a lot and uh, embrace the chaos and the volatility. That's how you adapt and uh, succeed. It's truly all about mindset. And I think it's so funny, you know, people outside looking in have such a different perspective than the entrepreneur from the inside. Because I think we always feel like we are never doing enough. We're never good enough. There's never enough money. There's never enough hours in the day. There's never enough sales. You know, we're on this constant uh, hamster wheel. But to your point, if you can get around and change your mindset as it relates to those stresses, that's when you really can find uh, success and satisfaction within. And I think that's so important and a very uh, lost art with entrepreneurs. Cheesiest analogy ever. I'm going to, and I don't know. <laughs> Bring it. But I'm thinking of the Matrix, you know, when he suddenly realizes how to play in the Matrix and he can dodge bullets. That basically is. Suddenly, you're just changing your whole perspective on anything and everything. Mm. And you're able to absorb problems in a very different way. 
every day is it's 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 a war. It's a, a, you know a hail hailfire of problems. Yet every evening I'm playing with my daughters. I'm I'm swimming in the pool and I'm delighted. You know, it's not it's not going to affect my sleep. Five years ago, I was crying myself to sleep and I was in permanent state of nervous breakdown. So I think there really is a lot to say about reaching that mental, um, I would say, degree of understanding where you realize that all of this doesn't really, you know, matter that much. You know, we're just actors in our own life. And take it right. Up. Right. It's a much more meta perspective, but it's really challenging. So how did you get from the state of crying yourself to sleep every night. And thank you for being so transparent about that. Again, I think a lot of people look at the outside in on you and they think, wow, this guy has created multiple multi-million dollar businesses. He's just crushing it, but they don't see the inside. So how can you give us some insights or maybe some tools that you've used to shift your mindset? Well, the first one I would say from an entrepreneurial perspective is um, have a best friend with you. In the problem, mm. not outside of the process. People will all say, well, you talk to your therapist, play tennis, uh, you know, your spouse, partner, your children. No, no. You, it's, it's much easier to do this when you have a peer that you're working with. Every project that I've been involved in, I had a person that I you know, tremendously respected, might have had many differences in complementary expertise or skill set, but we had the same fundamental ethos and drive. So if there's no one challenging you or reassuring you that's going through the same experiences you at the same time, it's a much, much, much harder ask. So I'm a big proponent of you know duos trios whatever you name it but you know it's a collaborative process the age of the patriarchal founder that knows it all and just drives it to the success this kind of um idea of the ford you know or the carnegie mm -hmm. these people don't exist that's hollywood man you know the reality is we're a bunch of people let's share the experience and share the load of successes and failures so that would be one one thing i would really recommend is having a peer that you're working with to create something where you respect each other no matter what and that usually comes by you know owning the same amount of equity that's you know a simple way to do things you know your your opinion matters as much another thing that i think is is essential is um, to make sure that your work, uh, meaning your project, actually caters to your inner kid. You know, you, you got to be able to justify this. Um, entrepreneurship is about selling 99% of the day, no matter what, to whomever you're talking to for whatever reason. And the reality of it is it's very hard to sell something that you don't deeply, deeply believe in. Um, I would not be able to sell, you know, coconut water in a bottle or chips of salmon, if I didn't fundamentally believe in constructive capitalism, if I didn't fundamentally believe in the ideals of deep ecology, this is this is really, really part of an intellectual process. And it's just my expression of that. So for me, this is just a performance of a lifetime. And it's part of what I believe is essential. I love that. I love the partnership um, perspective. And you have a lot of uh, cheesy puns on your website. So I thought, as you were saying that, I was thinking, find someone else that has the same amount of salmon skin in the game. <laughs> that's, that's, well, that's bad, bad jokes are running rampant now. You know, we're, we're reaching that age where we're parents and we're being extremely, we're becoming really, really dumb um, by the day. So yes, my the level totally. in my tone and my sense of humor is reaching levels that have never been heard of. I totally agree. Well, you and I are the same age. We're both born in 79, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you some personal questions and talk about what is next for Goodfish. So stay tuned. Are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth, secure digital experiences? Then you need Ping Identity as an identity security pioneer. 
Ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences. I'm the chief identity champion and I'm here to help. Visit pingidentity.com today. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep. That sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. All right, guys, thanks for sticking with us. And if you are just tuning in, I am chatting with Justin Gilbert, chairperson and founder of Good Fish. Justin, before the break, we were talking about mindset and how critical it is for entrepreneurs. And a lot of entrepreneurs give a lot of lip service to it, but they don't actually walk the talk. And you were really giving us some great tools and tips uh, in terms of being uh, of a partnership and having a strong ethos behind your brand and a passion for what you're selling. And I couldn't agree with you more. We are selling all day, every day. And if anyone is listening that doesn't believe that, then you're on the wrong podcast. So I love your message and your perspective on that. Let's shift a little bit and talk about um, what is next for Good Fish. When did you actually launch and and, um, are you in full distribution currently? Let me tell you, uh, and I hate to say this, but the the current COVID circumstance was a blessing disguise for us. Uh, We Mm -hmm. fortunately had already developed an entire D2C platform and architecture uh, that would allow us to, you know, create a community and really get some iterative feedback on product development and just accelerate the improvement that you always get in the first year or so of a a project like this. Uh, When COVID hit, we had launched um, with one of our good friends who was running uh, buying over at Fresh Market. So we had a, a appeared in about 100 locations on the eastern seaboard uh, to test out the product and it was very successful. Fortunately for us, we hadn't gone through with a lot of inventory uh, launches into other um, IRL brick and mortar outlets and we shifted all of our energy into our D2C platform. Now the mm-hmm. beauty here is that, you know, we most of us in, in the team and a lot of our stakeholders are very familiar with uh, performance marketing and basically catering directly to your consumer. And it really allowed us to um, test that channel out in a very um, intuitive and direct way. Uh, we were doing about, a, we had a million dollar run rate on, in under 30 days after launch. And that was in March. We're now nearing $2 million. So uh, with, um, I would like to clarify exceptional metrics in terms of conversion, um, acquisition cost, um, and building um, the average order value. So the truth is, from my perspective, it's forced us to really focus completely on the customer, understand the needs, figure out what the best ways are to fulfill that demand. More importantly, that channel has helped us understand what are the gaps, what are the challenges, and where we can improve very rapidly. So we're a fully integrated com- company like Harmless is, meaning that we have transparency in the supply chain, we manufacture our own products, we understand exactly how we can do things and change them so we can very quickly uh, improve on the product. And there's no consumer goods company today that uh, shouldn't be doing that mostly at this scale. Um, so we have been very fortunate there. The second very interesting part is we gradually focused on our partnership with Amazon to the point where we've decided to um, put a lot of energy in the release there. And we're launching as a launchpad partner with Amazon uh, later this week, I believe, or early next week. So that's going to be really interesting for us simply to understand 
our consumer once again, and really getting some data-driven insight on the community. I love that. Um, however, I'm very interested in your perspective now, uh, as opposed to your time with Harmless Harvest, because one of your big lessons that you talk about frequently about your experience at Harmless was that you focused on making, not marketing. Now that you've had to shift and focus on a direct-to-consumer model, has that perspective changed? Actually, it hasn't. It, it's really blurred that line even more from my my perspective because you look at your your um, consumer, who's usually your marketing target, as a co-developer. Um, so for me, it's almost an asset. Marketing becomes a, a development engine. So as you create this community through direct-to-consumer, um, with all the digital tools that give you data insight, natural language processing on reviews and so forth, you're able to understand what consumers are expecting from you or where you're having challenges in communicating or in your products um, specifically. So I love the fact that marketing has been repurposed as a tool to improve the making and not the other way around. It's not making that's um, serving the purpose of marketing. Mm, agree with that. Uh, I don't know if your team mentioned to you, but our day job is a marketing agency. So I always have to look at this from a marketing perspective, especially when we're talking to consumer products, which is a majority of the podcast. So I, I just thought it was a very interesting quote. I think it was on your wiki page about making, not marketing. And I wanted to, to see if uh, that had been challenged when you now had to focus. Making is marketing. I mean, at the end of the ah, day, I love it. Yeah. Make. Um, and, you know, I think what, I, what I'm trying to uh, demonstrate with a number of these initiatives is that um, let's, let's go back a, a second. But initially, marketing was just there to facilitate um, the understanding of what the qualities or the value proposition was of a product that was manufactured. Levi Strauss, their leather tab with the two donkeys or mules or whatever they are pulling that gene apart was to, for people that couldn't read to understand that this is a very solid piece of denim. And then that actual logo or the red tab, which was there to, for easy recognition on, on the product, turns into the actual value. So you start selling anything in any, you know, could be a sticker, it could be a brick, as long as it has the logo, it's just a whole bullshit set of aspirational lifestyle that has no, no value, no actual payoff for the consumer. You know, when you're buying a BMW, you're, you're buying into this pseudo ideal of some gray haired dude walking, driving through Bavarian, you know, S shaped roads and feeling very confident and content, yet you're commuting, you know, 30 miles from your suburban spot to your job in town and you're definitely not that guy but you feel like it a bit so i think the idea here is that the premium should not be put on that um, lifestyle that you're never going to attain and i believe the consumer has understood that by now and creates a discount in the value of the product versus the promise and actually focus that energy and the cost into the manufacturing process so that you have a better product you said it yourself best coconut water i tried it's not magic it's not bullshit and it's not marketing it's technology science agriculture and supply chain and that's how we ended up winning I mean, you are so articulate and clearly so passionate about what you do. I don't know how anyone wouldn't buy whatever it is that you're selling. Honestly, Justin, it's pretty <laughs> phenomenal. Um, so if you could ask our audience for one thing, one thing that you need right now to help with the success of Good Fish, what would that be? That's a very, very tough question you're asking me. I'm assuming your audience is sophisticated and, and interested in um, what a novel product is. And I think uh, the number one thing I would ask from your audience is, how can I be better? Um, that is what every company mm. should be doing. We serve the consumer. We are the consumer. So how to get better is what I want to know. Is there something wrong in what I say? Is there something wrong in how I make the product? Not just feedback, just 
better, how to get better at every stage of the company. That's that's what we look for all the time. I think to your earlier point, it's a, it's about looking to the consumer to help you make the product better through the marketing process, but also it's about that failure point, right? Like, tell me what I'm doing wrong so I can write the ship and make this the best possible product I can for you. Exactly. Um, we only have a few minutes left. Gosh, only, under two minutes. I feel like I could talk to you forever. I just love your perspective, your passion for the product. Um, and obviously, this is not your first, second, or eighth rodeo, it sounds like. So you've been doing this a while. Um, kind of a personal question and an oddball question we ask, like to ask a lot of entrepreneurs. What is your favorite word and why? Um, my favorite word is, uh, uh, I would say... Right now, and it has been for quite a while, um, it would be um, rhizome. What was that? Rhizome. R-H-I-Z-O-M-E. It's a a botanical term. Uh, Basically, a potato is a rhizome or a fern is. And what I love about the idea of a rhizome is that um, these plants, or a potato is a good example, don't have a a hierarchy. Um, It's not a tree root system. It's not root and then trunk and then branch and leaves. It doesn't follow some sort of organization that makes sense. It really follows this kind of uh, organic intuitive development and growth. And with all types of different uh, variations in the expression of the plant or the product, could be flowers, could be roots, could be tu- you know tubers and so forth. And you can break that piece and it grows somewhere else. I think we're all rhizomes. I think we belong to a rhizome. I think it's we can't define our society as this hierarchy, nor can we pigeonhole it into a typical understanding of what culture is or where we are as an as a civilization. Um, so we're a rhizome at an individual and at a global level. And if you start thinking like a rhizome, you can build a company like a rhizome. You can build your life around the idea of the rhizome. And is actually a really interesting philosopher, Gilles Deleuze that made a whole uh, idea and concept of culture as a rhizome. So that's my word right now. I had never even heard that before, but leave it to you to come up with something so obscure and interesting and educational. I so appreciate that, Justin. Thank you. Uh, So we're about out of time. Any final words for our audience about the products, where they can find you, all that good stuff? You know, People know how to find stuff right now. You just type good fish and you, and you find it. My, my, my last words would be that I'm assuming a lot of the people on, on listening to this are budding entrepreneurs, hopeful entrepreneurs or successful entrepreneurs. And I think, you know, I just want to reassure everyone that no one knows what they're doing, um, but we're all trying something. So there is no limit in our capability to affect change. There were no cars for thousands of years and overnight it became part of our vernacular and our existence. There should be the same reality for progressive practices when it comes to capitalism, progressive practices when it comes to consumerism that are not destructive but are actually constructive for the rest of our ecosystem and society as a whole. So don't be afraid by the reality of the status quo today and let's just build a better world and we can all do it together. So I I hope everyone is uh, of that opinion and I'm humbled to have the opportunity to have this platform to share my thoughts. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Justin. And thank you all for tuning in. Stay tuned for more Elevate Your Brand coming up next. Are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth, secure digital experiences? Then you need Ping Identity as an identity security pioneer. Ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences. I'm the chief identity champion and I'm here to help. Visit pingidentity.com today. 
Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call. Yep. That sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it.